0: Okay, so we're going to do the rest of Romans 8. And the reason we're spending so much time in this chapter is because the things that we, are, we understand and we know from this chapter of Romans is the foundation for everything else that's going to happen to you in life. And, and if you understand this and if you know this scripture well, then when things happen... You've got a foundation to go back to that's so, so important. So, and he addresses some things with suffering here in this, too. So, And that's what we're going to jump right into now. We're at Romans 8. We're going to start with verses 17 through 25. So let me pray for us before we start. Father, more than anything, when we were singing that praise song to you, I just thought to myself, we don't really understand it. We don't understand how much you love us. And I just pray for every woman in this room, whatever her past, whatever hurt she has, whatever thing she's dealing with right now, that you would grip her heart with the deep, deep love of Jesus. Help us to understand that, Father. Help us to rest in it. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Okay, so did I have a volunteer to start with verse seventeen and read through
1: twenty-five? Okay. Um, As if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with them, so that we may also glorify them. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits. With the creation God's sons to be um, revealed. the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, really but because of him who suddenly objected, um, subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also accept free from the bondage to be paid into the children, into the glory and freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been growing together with labor pains, not only that, but we ourselves have the spirit as the first fruits. We also grow within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what we see? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we will really wait for it.
0: Okay. So, we've talked about, at the first part of this, that we're not condemned, that that is a gift that God has given you. Jesus has taken care of all of that. Anything you do in the past, the present, or the future is handled. And you are legally declared not condemned. Then we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit being given to you. Not that you have to work that up, but that that is a fact, that you walk in Christ and you are different because of that gift of the Holy Spirit. So, And we're led by the Spirit of God. So now, if that's the foundation for all of that, if you know that about yourselves and about your life, now he's going to switch gears and he says this. We start talking a little bit about what it's like to live in this world because we still live here you know unlike Betsy we're not free yet walking around and hiking up those giant hills which is what she's doing <laughs> I think I don't know I don't know what we're going to do but it's going to be a lot better than cleaning the kitchen so um, anyway but we live in this present time and this world is not like it's supposed to be and we all agree with that and we realize that there is suffering, and nobody wants us to. Nobody wants to sign up for that. Like you read this scripture, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And your probably first reaction is, "I do not want to sign up for that." Like who wants to do that? So, but it's just just like the fact that you walk in the Holy Spirit. It is a fact that you're going to deal with suffering. So let's look at it from the way God sees it. What, how does God view suffering? So first of all, it goes on to consider... One thing He wants us to consider is that the suffering of this present time is nothing like the glory that is coming. And and I had to keep reminding myself of that. when At the very end of summer, um, you know, also... Some of you don't know this, too, but after Betsy was diagnosed in January in June of this year, my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. So we had Betsy dealing with brain cancer, Johnny dealing with colon cancer, and I started thinking there was a cancer demon behind every bush, you know, like, who next, you know, is what you start thinking of if you're not thinking correctly. It was like, wow, this is crazy. Why? How can we be doing this at the same time? And, um... Johnny's diagnosis was very, very good, and we were very, very thankful for that. And, um, you know, it was interesting to me. I had many people that would come up to me after Johnny's surgery went successful and he did not have to have chemotherapy, and they would say, oh, God is so good. No, God is good all the time, and it has nothing to do with Johnny's cancer diagnosis. So if you say that to people when something good happens in their life and you go, God is good, do not say that. (laughs) If you just want to say that because you believe God is good, that's good. Go ahead and say that. But what happens in your life does not affect the character of God. And that is a very important understanding of suffering that you need to know. Because if you're basing the goodness of God on what happens in your life, there's going to be a lot of times when you think God is not good. God is always good. His character is good. Every, that, that's part of who he is, is the goodness of God. It doesn't change depending on your circumstances. So God is merciful. That's what I would tell... When people would say that to me, I would say God is good all the time, but he chose to be merciful to Johnny in this situation. So, but that doesn't mean that's the end of Johnny's suffering forever. Something else is going to happen. You know I mean? That's just the way life is in this world, is we're going to deal with something else on the way. And that's what this is saying here. We have the sufferings of this present time. There, it, that is going to happen. And it's like, a, it's like a, he compares it here to a mother being in labor, that we're all in this bondage, and creation is bound up in the bondage of sin. So because of that, we live in a very broken world. And the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Okay, so if you've had a baby, you understand what that means. And, um, but it's like you're trying, we, we all groan together because we don't, it's not supposed to be like this. You know, this is not the way that God meant for it to be. And one day, he's going to make it all right. And the reality is this. There are going to be some things that you deal with in this life that are never going to be fixed in this life. Vanitha um, Risner that I told you about earlier, she recently wrote a post for Desiring God called, What If I Don't Ever Get Better? And I have a friend right now that lives in Orlando that's suffering with chronic illness. She's been bedridden for about 10 years now, on and off. She gets up then she has a setback. She's back in bed and Johnny and I were talking about it. Short of a miracle, she is never going to be well again in this life. And she almost died this summer when she had a, another hospitalization. And she is suffering incredibly. And as if I was a non-believer, I would have nothing to bring to the table for her. Nothing. Because her suffering is so horrible... And But as believers, we do have something to bring to the table. First of all, this is one of the things, is the hope of glory. You are going to spend eternity with God, and He will make it all right one day. Whatever your pain is, whatever you're dealing with, the hope that you have, one of the hopes, there's a lot we're going to talk about, but one of the hopes you have is that God will make it right. He will... Judge rightly. If you feel like you've been wronged, you can let that go because God will take care of that one day. If you are sick and suffering from chronic suffer, any kind of chronic suffering, He's going to make you well one day. You are not. This is not going to be all of your eternity. If you have mental illness, you're you have a lot of anxiety or anything like that. I think many of you know that one of our daughters suffers from a pretty severe case of OCD. She has had it since she she was diagnosed at five, and she's been in counseling and on medication her entire life. And she's twenty, and she probably will be for the whole rest of her life. And many of you in this room know somebody who suffers from some kind of mental illness. And in many cases, there is no that's not going to be fixed in this life. It's something Mary Elizabeth is going to deal with the whole rest of her life, and she knows it. It's her thorn in the flesh. And so, um, but. She holds on to the hope of glory that one day it is going to be fixed. All right, so we're, we're all in this, in the time in between, y'all. It's just the time in between. So we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for our physical bodies to be redeemed from this world. Our, you know, we were talking about the fact that um, Batsy's spirit is in heaven one day, and one day... When Christ returns, her body will be resurrected out of that ground and it will be made new. And she'll be reunited with her body and she will be with the Lord. And that body will be perfectly healthy. No cancer, nothing. And it will be glorified. And what an incredible thing to think about. If we can get beyond seeing just the way we see this life and think about that. That gives us the hope of glory. And that is a gift that that non-believers do not have. So, um, and then he goes on to address that issue. Because sometimes when we can't see it, it's difficult to believe it. And he says that in verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So there's another benefit is that the Lord will use the groaning and the waiting and the wrongness of this world and this whole in between time. He gives you the hope to wait and it forms patience in your life. So then if you go on past that, if that's all there was to that, you would be like, Wow, oh man. So we just got it so that's it? We just gotta sit here and hope and wait and Wow, that's great news, Christy. Thank you very much for that. So, and I just have to endure. No, because then he goes on with the rest of this chapter and he says this. Let's go. Can somebody read verses um, 26 through uh, 30?
1: he
0: Okay. So here is how we have a mindset of God towards suffering in our life. Where is the help? Where does it say your help comes from? The Spirit. And what did we just say before we broke this session about the Spirit? It's a fact that what? He indwells you. He is inside of you. That is a fact. It's not a working up, as we said over and over. It's a fact. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And so because of that, you have somebody who's praying for you. Now just think about that for just a minute. Let's let that sink in. That when you don't know how to pray, when you feel far from God, when you're hurting, when you're physically in pain, right now, even as I'm up here talking to you, the Holy Spirit is interceding for me and for all of you so that we learn something about God today because that's what He wants us to do. And so He's up there interceding for us. He's talking to God about this and it is very powerful and if you think about that we don't even hardly talk about that like when you have somebody that this is probably what we ought to be saying to each other if somebody comes and they're bearing their soul to you and about something that's really hurting for them if you would just stop trying to fix it don't give them any solution don't say stuff like well i'm gonna